Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Malachi chapter 4. If you don't know where Malachi is, find Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, and then flip back. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, we, we are, I'm so thankful for Pastor Brian's heart and what he's done in this series. Genuine worship, as we've walked through this book, uh, a lot of times this book, uh, if you're like me, has felt like a kick to the teeth, uh, but I've needed it. I've needed it because this letter, this prophecy to the people of God and challenging them to, to be all in. That worship isn't just about our leftovers, but it is about our all. So we wanna say thank you to Pastor Brian. He's not with us this morning because they had a baby yesterday. Come on. Hey, Pastor Brian and Chelsea, we are excited for y'all. We're praying for y'all. Can't wait to meet little man. But I wanna, go, I wanna tell you where we're going this morning and then we'll dive into this passage. So if you're type A and you take notes, this is my outline. There's a warning to unbelievers. A warning to unbelievers. There's good news for believers. Good news really for all people. And a promise to the believers. And my challenge at the end of this message, what I want you to walk away from If you don't hear anything else, this is what I want you to do. I want us to be carriers of the light because the day is coming. That'll make more sense as we go along, but like I said, a warning to unbelievers, good news, and a promise to believers so we carry the light because the day is coming. See, when walking through this book, if you've been with us or if you haven't been with us, Malachi is challenging the people of God that God is not interested in our leftovers. He's not interested in half-hearted worship. He's, he's about all of us and all of our worship and our all-consuming desire for him because he's God and he deserves that. And the challenge is, are we people that understand this God and we give ourselves, or are we just in it, maybe not to go to hell and just to get something from God? Or are we in it for God? So the first point, well, let's read, let's read the passage and then we will dive in. So Malachi chapter four, the first three verses. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace and all the arrogant, and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day is coming will set them ablaze, and says the Lord of hosts, so it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. 
and you will tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Jesus, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your word, how we can know you through it. And so God, I pray that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would search our hearts, soften us, open our minds to receive your wisdom. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray, amen. So the first point, a warning to the unbelievers. And verse one, for behold, should grab your attention. We should listen to what comes next. The day is coming. And you're like, what day is coming? I, I think it's a good habit to learn when you're reading the Bible to ask questions of what the text is saying because the word is too good to just glance over it. So what day is coming? We know that this is pointing us to the day that Jesus is coming and we know that Jesus has already come and we know he will come again. And so there's this day coming and what's this day like? Burning like a furnace. Other translations say like an oven. You ever been burnt by an oven? Just a side note. The other day I put on like an oven mitt that went up to my elbow, my wife wanted to know why when we just had like a, one of the ones that, you know, you're just open, the back of your hands open to all the heat and burning and nastiness, right? I was like, because I don't want to get burned. With me? 1045, you're not awake. Online, I bet you're with me. <laughs> burning like a furnace. There is a day coming and this should grab our attention. The day that Jesus returns will be like a furnace for those that do not believe. I wanna read this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter one, verse five, it says this. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which I indeed, for which indeed you are suffering. For after it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to, to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven and his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, to be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we pray for you always that the will or our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you, do you hear this? Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. This is the day that's coming. Burning like a furnace for those that have not believed. We have to feel this warning. And it goes on to say, so the question then has, if this day's coming for those that haven't believed, like what does that actually mean? 
It's a great question. And all the arrogant and every evildoer. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of armies, so that it will leave them neither root nor branches. All, like, if you, if you mark up your Bible, I just want you to circle all and every. All the arrogant, all the evildoers, this furnace of God's wrath towards them is coming. And you're like, that doesn't seem fair. It's because they haven't trusted in the goodness of who God is that they've placed it on themselves. All the proud, all the arrogant, all the self-centered, that I can do this on my own, that I don't need anyone. The ones that do evil, that say, God, I understand that you've made things this way. I wanna do it this way. My desires are better than your desires, God. And this is what's happening in this what Malachi is writing to, these people would give lip service to God, but they would bring their leftovers to him and be like, God, we just need your salvation. I don't want anything else from you. And I think if we're not careful, we can, we can deceive ourselves to believe that we're not that person. There's some of us that have said, yeah, I believe in you, God, but everything we do is just a leftover to him. We have to understand that the Bible and James tells us that even the demons believe and shudder. We have to feel the weight of this passage. It's describing complete destruction to those that do not know God. Because we have to understand you can know things about God you can experience the things of God and still not know him. To not actually know him as Lord and as savior and as father and friend. John the Baptist said this in Matthew 3, 11 and 12. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he, Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I. And I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire and his weaning fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear the threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. One, you might be like, what in the world is a weaning fork? And that's like, think of a pitchfork. And if you've ever seen how a threshing floor, how they how they separate wheat from its stalks is they would, they would bundle, they harvest them, they pick them up and throw them up and down. And a lot of times you have it in a barn where there's a draft coming through and the wind will blow the chaff away and the grain will stay. And John's telling us that Jesus has come to separate those that do not know him and are not a part of his family from those that have called upon the name of the Lord. And we're seeing it here that those that have been removed will be destroyed. And we have to feel the weight of this warning. The most unloving thing you could ever do to someone that doesn't know Jesus is just brush this under the table and be like, God loves you. And that's it. 
God is a God that is mighty and deserving of all that we are. And because he's mighty, because he is about God and he's holy and just, he cannot let those that think highly of themselves and not of him and have not surrendered to him, but still exalt themselves to be a part of his kingdom. See, in Isaiah 47, verse 14 and 15, it says, Behold, they are like stubble. The fire consumes them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame, nor coal for warm, no coal for warming oneself is this, no fire to sit before. Such to you are those whom you have labored, who have done business with you from your youth. They have wandered about each in his own direction, and there's no one to save you. This idea we just, if we're not careful, we're just wandering through this life thinking we can do it on our own, that we're self-sufficient, that we can pick ourselves up from our bootstraps and go and God will be impressed with us. Like I prayed the prayer, I got baptized, I serve, I come to church a few times, I give occasionally. Isn't God impressed with me? He wants all of you, all of you. And why would you not want the God of the universe to have all of you? This is the nonsense of of what we've made into Christianity that Jesus, you can have this part of me and I'm gonna hold on to this part of me and then we'll figure out how those two intercede. And Jesus says, no, I'm taking all of you or none of you. He is an all-consuming fire and he's worthy. I'm telling you, if you go outside and look at night and you can see the stars and he calls them by name and he spans the heavens with the span of his hand and, and he speaks things into existence, why would you think you can do it on your own better? And for those that think they can, destruction is theirs. Feel the warning from God. Everyone who sins apart from belief in God's and Jesus's blood for our atonement, for our purchasing back to him, everyone who has not done that will be completely destroyed because they cannot, you cannot stand in the presence of God apart from Jesus's work for you. So this is the warning. This is the warning for unbelievers, you will be destroyed. But for the believer, we carry the light because that day's coming. We carry the light because that day's coming. So the second point is the good news. There's good news. We don't have to just dwell on the bad news. There is good news. But for you who fear my name, I love that. That's a, there's scriptures full of so many pretty buts, right? You can laugh at that 1045. I'm trying to break the tension a little bit. But for you who fear my name, what does it mean to fear? Because some of us have maybe not a helpful understanding of what fear looks like because we've lived in households where we feel like we have to be terrified. And it it disarms us and it breaks us down and we feel like we can't do anything. This is a fear that we should, like he's an, he can destroy us if he wanted to. 
but it's a reverence. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says this, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. With reverence and awe, we fear God as we would fear a healthy parent. That when you step out of line, there's a discipline that will come, but there's the loving embrace. Anytime, I'm I'm trying to make this a practice in my home. Anytime that I have to discipline my children, that they don't listen or they do something they weren't supposed to do, and we've got a little one on the way, and I think preparing the house has like created something in my daughter and son's head that they're like, we should just act out even more. Amen, parents? And they're testing me. But I wanna sit them down afterwards and say, you know, you know your daddy doesn't like doing that. But I love you. And I want what's best for you. We have a loving father that wants to sit down with us and go, listen, I don't wanna have to discipline you. But because I love you, I do. And that's the kind of fear that we have for the Lord. I love this too. John Piper says this. We should fear in the sense that we seek refuge from God away from God's terrible wrath. Let me say it again because he's John Piper and you have to read things twice. We should fear in the sense that we seek refuge from God away from God's terrible wrath. What a comforting thing that God brings us in. He's holy and he's just and because he's holy and just, he is love, but because of that, he is wrathful. And he has brought us in and has shielded us, has poured it onto Jesus. This is good news. This is the kind of fear. Fear my name, Yahweh, the son of righteousness. S-U-N, not S-O-N, son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth. And another translation says, frolic like cast from the stall. The son of righteousness, you have to see this. Malachi is painting, God is painting this portrait of beauty. Who got up this morning and watched the sun rise? You're 1045, you're like, the sun came up? There's, ever watched the sunrise, maybe? No, students like, we've seen it on YouTube. Uh, there's something incredible about a sunrise when it just breaks over the horizon and the light just breaks through the whole sky. And we're seeing the beauty, this sun of righteousness is pointing us to Jesus. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus. And we see this in Luke chapter one and Zechariah's prophecy, 78 and 79 says this, but because of of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Because of the tender mercy, listen to that, because we have to feel the contrast between the destruction that is promised for those that don't believe in this good news, but God is not just mad. He's tender in his mercy to bring us the sunrise in Jesus. 
That's so good. This idea that God is trying to stir our emotions, stir our affections for how good he is, for what has happened on our behalf at the cross. Like when we sing these songs that should do something in us, that God has brought healing. You are broken and utterly without hope. And he has brought healing, which points like when you're reading that, you're probably thinking maybe of Isaiah 40, he will rise up on wings like eagles. Or Isaiah 53, where it's pointing us to what Jesus did on the cross, that we might have healing. We should be awestruck by grace and mercy of God that he extended to us through Jesus. So when we watch the sunrise, or maybe you're more of like a sunsetter kind of guy or girl. Guys are like, whatever happens. Too manly for that. And that something in you just is like shocked by how beautiful it is. What Malachi is trying to do is like, that's awesome. This is better. This is better. Brought healing. And it's pointing us to the light. It's this imagery that we see throughout scripture. John 1, 4, and 5. In him, in Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. How good of news is it that Jesus has shown where nothing else could go and he obliterates darkness. You might feel like you're walking through darkness or walking in a dark season of life. And I wanna tell you that God, our God shines into those moments and breaks through John 8, 12. And Jesus spoke to them again saying, I'm the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, will not walk in darkness. There's no of this playing the game where we bring you our leftovers, God, and hopefully that's enough for you. It's all that we are because we walk in the light because he is the light. John 12, 44 and 45, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. You've been taken out from the crushing weight of destruction into the beautiful light of healing in Jesus. Do you feel the contrast between verse one and verse two? where the first one feels like there's not a lot of hope, that there's destruction coming. And the good news, the son of righteousness is here and brings healing. Gospel Transformation Study Bible says this, Jesus was burned in the oven of God's wrath for our iniquity. He was burned in the oven of God's wrath for your sins and for my sins and everything that separates us from him. This is the good news. This is why I don't understand how we can sit still and stare blankly into the abyss as if this hasn't happened. Like, I'm not saying we should run the aisles, but like, this is what's happened. You were dead and he made you alive that he has risen so that you might have life. And we just sit around as if 
That's not worth, or we don't tell our neighbor, or we don't tell our coworker or our family member that they've been purchased, that the blood has been applied and they can trust. He purchases us. And the second part of this good news is it does something to us, or it should at least. You will go forth, and I'm gonna read this translation, frolic. I love that word. Like cast from the stall. You're like, I don't know what that word means. It's like leaping or skipping or jumping around. It's excitement. They told me I should illustrate it for you. I will not. I will not because I don't want to end up on the internet anymore. Do you get that though? Like listen to the imagery that's being used here. Because of this, because you, the son of righteousness has come with healing in its wings, you will go forth with excitement from the stall, like a calf. You see what's happening? Have y'all ever watched like a baby cow, a calf take off running and just like they're jumping around all excited? I mean, we li- listen, there's a cow pasture across the street. We could all go on a field trip <laughs> and make it happen. There's this like overwhelming joy for the babies. They grow up and they're fat and they're lazy after that. But in the moment, and think about what God is saying here. When you see this healing, this is the emotion that takes place. When you were confined and set free, this is the overflow of your heart. Think about this. When you've been purchased and you've been broken out of the bondage of your sin into freedom, in Christ there is freedom. He says, for freedom, you have set us free. He didn't say, I set you free that you might act like you're still enslaved or still in the stall or still acting like you're dead. I set you free that you might rejoice and have joy. And we've got so much Baptist built up into us that we can't act excited. Listen. Jerry would say, I'm a big B Baptist, but there is something about excitement and knowing that God took what was dead and worthless and made it alive. Yeah, come on. I'll preach. We should dance. Think about it. David said to his wife that I will become even more undignified than this. He's dancing around in his underwear. Do not do that. That is a descriptive text, not prescriptive, like don't do it. Anyways, this is joy. This is what John Piper says. For God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You want the world to see, you wanna be a carrier of the light. See, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And in Matthew five, he said, we are the light of the world. We carry this light into the world. You wanna be a light of the world? Be satisfied in God. No one wants a God that makes you feel lonely and bummed out and depressed. We have joy. And I'm not saying that those aren't emotions we walk through, but I'm saying when we remind ourselves that God has bought us and purchased us and given us a new life, it transforms everything in us. So this means 
We've trusted that he's enough and he satisfies. And that there's your spouse or your children or your work or your whatever your hobby is or that substance or that image will not satisfy. And we're trading up lesser gods for God. We need to repent because he is enough. So we carry the light because the good news is that he has made a way and the day is coming. The day is coming. But maybe you're like, man, Brandon, it's just, it's hard. Man, following Jesus is hard. And there's days where it just doesn't seem like it's worth it. Or what if this gets taken from me? Or what if this happens to me? But what if? Well, there's a promise. The promise, verse three, and you will crush the wicked underfoot. For they will be ashes under your, the soles of your feet on the day that I am preparing, says the Lord of armies. You will crush the wicked. What a glorious promise. What a promise even from who it's coming from. I love it. it's not just saying like God alone says this. He does, but an army is behind him. That you're not in this alone. And I love this, that in Romans 16, 20, like memorize this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. This is the promise. It doesn't matter how many of your preferences get taken away from you, how many of your liberties get taken away from you, how much of your freedom gets taken away. You can never be taken from Jesus. And you stand firm. And you carry the light because Satan will be crushed. And I think he needs to be reminded of it because he thinks that if he can just get us into this moment where we're like, here's my leftovers, God. Here's what I brought to you. And that's enough that he's winning. But we know he will be crushed. So no matter what we face, we carry the light. No matter how hard it gets, we carry the light and no matter what comes against us, carry the light. Because I, I want you to hold on to this promise in Romans 8. It won't be on the screens. I just want you to listen to it. Verse 28 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. For those who he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. And what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God, the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns Christ Jesus? Is he who died? Yes, rather he was raised, who is uh, the right hand of God, who is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or political party or preferences or whatever. It is written for your sake, we are being put to death all day long and we are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the good news, church, that it doesn't matter. You've been bought with this. The son of righteousness has risen that you would be healed. And this is excitement. It doesn't matter what the world throws at you. You carry the light because nothing can take you from him and nothing will satisfy you apart from him. Carry the light because the day is coming. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you for behold, darkness will cover the earth and the deep darkness, the people's but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you and nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The promise is that Jesus will bring his people to himself. We carry the light. We carry the light, church. And so maybe you're in the room this morning and you're like, man, I have never trusted and his death, burial, and resurrection for my forgiveness of my sins, that I'm trying to do it on my own. I would call you to repentance this morning, to turn from your sins and turn to God and see that this is satisfaction. This is completeness. This is where you find your life. And I would love to show you in scripture exactly, even if you have more questions, what that looks like. Just praying, God, I need you. Would you save me? Maybe you've just been playing the game your whole life. And God's calling you to repentance because the warning is clear. And you can't make yourself pretty enough, good enough, or right enough before God. But the good news is he's done it for you. So would you turn? Would you trust? Would you surrender? And for the believer in the room, maybe you have, you have, got blinded by the world into the point of you, you haven't held on to the promise that you will not be taken from him and you will crush the enemy under your feet. Maybe today you just need to come to the altar and get right with God and repent of your lack of trust that he is working all things out for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. And nothing will separate you from him. But church, will we carry the light? because he's worthy. He's worthy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also a review allows us to reach even more people. 
Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.